Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite lore cast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast lore behind the Mass Effect games. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here with Sam, my good buddy, the uh, the all-knowing of the Mass Effect lore. I know you hate it when I when I raise the stakes I like really this on do. you. really <laughs> do. <laughs> because the internet likes to argue about every little nitpicky detail. Uh, but welcome back to the show. We are having a very special Valentine's Day episode. Sam, Sam, we have some guests here today. What is going on? That's right. So you know how we've done the specials on medicine, on music, on other things. Well, it's almost Valentine's Day. Uh, this episode should be coming out pretty close to Valentine's Day. So we figured, why don't we invite some of the uh, romance experts that we know onto the show to help dissect the romance of Mass Effect? Yeah. So, so who's joining us? Genesis and Vervada. I think we should probably let them introduce themselves, but you may recognize their name from the uh, show Two Girls, One Ship. Awesome. Welcome to the show, Jen and Vervada. How's it going? Let's start with Jen. Jen, you've been on the show a bunch uh, as a patron guest and, and other things, but welcome back. How's it going? Thank you. Thank you. I have. I've been on almost two years worth of Patreon chats now, and I was on the pro Caden perspective episode yeah. talking about my love affair with Caden Elenko. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back. And then Vervada, your uh, partner in 
romance. All no, that things. doesn't a partner in all things, including <laughs> romance. Bravada, welcome. How's it going? Hi, it's Bravada, one of the love experts. I just keep thinking of frozen trolls when you were like the romance experts. <laughs> Guess we're trolls. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I was once a patron a long time ago, and your podcast is what brought us together, actually. That's where we met. Oh, well, that's that's uh, man. This this show is going to be all about warm fuzzies today. <laughs> You're bringing, a matchmaker. Yeah. Bringing people together. All sorts of fun things. Well, welcome back to the show. I'm excited to get into uh, seeing your perspective. We've talked about some of the romantic stuff on and off as we get through different characters and relationships and things like that. And some of the patron chats. Um, but we're going to get your expertise specifically and uh, Sam, I know you, I, I'll have to hand it off to you. You're the one who usually handles all the show notes, puts everything together. So if you're listening for the first time, I'm kind of the host guy. Sam's more of the topic expert. Sam, where do we want to start off with our interview with them? Well, I figure, you know, just like most of the lore topics where we start broad and then kind of narrow in, I feel like that's what we should do today. So why don't we start broad? And I have a list of questions for our romance experts here who are coincidentally also huge Mass Effect fans. And I wanted to ask both Genesis and Vervada, how does Mass Effect approach romance? It's a very broad one. Who wants to take this? So uh, on our show, I'm the one who doesn't shy away from exploring the fun of physical connection. <laughs> and so my brain generally goes to the physical side of things. So when I read this question, I thought about like, okay, how does Mass Effect approach romance and went from a gameplay standpoint. Um, and so I kind of think that that's where I'll start with uh, because V is the one who handles the actual lovey romance side of things. So she'd be more apt to answer that question. But from a gameplay standpoint specifically, it was really one of the first games where it was all dialogue based. It was no longer the system of give gift, raise approval, get spouse. Like we used to see in Stardew Valley and things like that, or older games where gift giving was the primary form of raising an approval level. Yeah, it was kind of even like that in Skyrim, right? I mean, you would do maybe like a small little quest for someone, but then you'd ultimately give them the Ring of Mara and then mm -hmm. you can marry them. So it's kind of yep. even, like that was much more the old style you're saying. Right. There was that. And there wasn't a whole bunch of uh, aspects of like there was the romance specific item that you would give and the dialogue. I mean, maybe there'd be like a flirty line or two, but sometimes you didn't even need to have to have those conversations. You would just present them with romance gift. So, Jen, would you say that uh, the Mass Effect style is... I mean, everything's video gamey on some level, but it's a little bit more in line with reality. Like you actually talk with a person, you get to know them, you you find out if you have similarities and then that furthers your relationship through those details. Oh, absolutely. It's a lot more realistic. If you're not compatible with a character, you're not going to want to romance them to begin with. And then if your decisions aren't compatible with who they are, they're not going to want to romance you. Uh, Samara comes to mind. If you go to Renegade on your playthrough, Samara's not going to want anything to do with you. She flat out says, I wish that I wasn't bound to you. I would rather kill you right now. 
Yeah. So, so you're Obviously, saying she's not going to be a romance. So you're saying no matter how many gifts I give somebody, it doesn't mean they're going to fall in love with me. Not the type of person you want to quote, quote, fall in love with you. Right. right. I think all these Twitch simps should probably take note right now. And, <laughs> oh, and man. You can save your money because as much as I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, are, is that what's happening? Because nobody's sending me stuff, but every, I guess everyone's no, sending I, Sam stuff. I mean, all right. That's no, cool. I, I get like enough for a few cups of coffee um, every <laughs> month, but <laughs> no, I was just joking. Uh, awesome. Uh, Vervada, I would love to hear your perspective because I know the two of you kind of come at things from different directions. Um, yes. So my mind obviously immediately went narrative when it comes to the romances. That's where I like to live anyway, as the narrative, but for, it actually changed a little bit from the Mass Effect trilogy to Mass Effect Andromeda, but overall the way that the romances really work is game mechanics wise, they don't change your game. Like you don't, have repercussions for who you're romancing, but you find out a lot more personal lore and things about the character that you're romancing that otherwise you would not find out if you did not romance them. That's something that sometimes could be a critique depending on the game, but usually um, that's pretty specific to Bioware up until very recently where parts of a character were really locked behind that romance, quote unquote, side quest. But because you have so many more interactions with them and they have unique dialogue for that, it makes it feel like it impacts your game, even if it doesn't actually impact the overarching narrative and different missions and stuff, because it does feel different when you're going into a quest and like, say you're a femship and you've romanced Garrus and he has cute little banter with everyone about your relationship as you're running around like that adds something to the story. And that's not that common in games before Mass Effect happened. And then when we have Mass Effect Andromeda, the romances, because previously it was really just like you could lock in with one person. You couldn't have flings or just sex or no sex at all. Like you had a very specific path that the romance followed, but Andromeda made it so that you could have those more casual relationships or you could have a monogamous relationship. They still didn't get into like polyamory or anything like that quite yet, but hopefully maybe Mass Effect 4, <laughs> who knows? Like as I, I'm all for having so many more options, but I thought that was really cool because it really, it just, I don't know, it just adds so much to the game. That's what everyone We've said this so many times. If someone finds out you played Mass Effect, the first question someone asks is, who did you romance? That's like the most important question, I feel like, over what ending did you pick or were you Paragon or Renegade? They want to know who you romanced. Yeah. Do you think do you think that, that question comes up in particular because these games were early and in and, and developing that in a way that it actually felt real? And so it became a unique thing to talk about with these games? Or do you think that they did it not only first, but also in a way where it just feels that important to your gameplay? I think it's because of the narrative side of it. I mean, obviously the physical cutscenes you don't get an actual visual sex scene with every romance because I, as much as I would have liked to see a Turian human relationship, maybe it was probably not something they could animate realistically back then, or they couldn't spend the money on that. Who knows? But I think the reason it impacts us so much is because of the dedication and time they put into writing 
those characters so well it wasn't like every game before where you could have like take skyrim for instance which came out around the same time the trilogy was coming out in 2010 their romances were just your followers like that you could you know give your stuff to and they'd follow you around and then you could build them a house and adopt a kid but it had no impact whatsoever you didn't really have any special dialogue outside of proposing to them and maybe i'm calling you sweetheart or something right so yeah when you feel... return home and they they greet you that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah but that was it like it didn't really feel like it mattered the way it feels like it matters when you pray with thane as he's dying because it's so different from when you've not romanced him it's still very touching but it feels so much more personal in that scene and then when it calls back to it in the citadel dlc and you have these videos he recorded for you because you knew he was dying and he wanted to give you some last messages and he even visits you as like a ghost kind of if you romanced him before you get back on the normandy and those scenes like are so impactful because you feel like you fell in love with thane because you're playing an rpg like you are shepherd it's very personal choice to pick who you're romancing so, I mean, we're, we're all human. We all have emotional connections, like we're social animals. So we're pre-designed to like pack bond with anything, you know, now, and that it now, really helps. Sorry, I was going to say that that is one side of the coin, but the other is rejection. And Genesis had mentioned Samara. And even if you are Paragon, you do get rejected by Samara at pretty much every turn until you get to the very end. Um, do you think that, and this question's for either of you, but do you think that Mass Effect romances needed more rejection to make it feel more real? Because in other games I've played since then, where romance is an aspect, uh, Cyberpunk or Baldur's Gate, there is the very real chance that even though you may want to romance this person, this character does not want to romance you. Yeah, I think that they tried that in Mass Effect 1 and they didn't get it right. So then they shied away from it. Uh, the confrontation scene, if you're flirting with uh, Liara and either Caden or Ashley, um, in my opinion, they got that scene very wrong. And I felt like they didn't want to broach another rejection slash confrontation scene because it was not good yeah it doesn't feel good it doesn't like those moments in games don't make you go oh i want to play more of this no oh, however no, not, I believe, not so much i was gonna say i believe that it adds a level of realism like if you know that 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 tension that you feel in a real life romance when you're just starting to get to know someone and you don't want to like say anything wrong you don't want to do anything wrong you don't want to look uncool right um, I feel you like put, that you put on a fake to, version of yourself so that when the relationships actually get serious, now you hate each other because you were that fake way you the can, whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That way you there. can unbuckle your pants, you know, <laughs> fart as much as you want. Yeah. I'm not speaking for myself here at all. Uh, but but no, that's what I'm saying. Like the rejection aspect, I, I feel like it made the culmination of romance is more rewarding. And I wasn't saying that the rejection was a bad thing i liked that that was going to happen it's just the way that they handled the confrontation scene of the honestly douchey line of i love it when women fight over me 
that's the part of the scene that I didn't like. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, that's a that is a douchey line for sure. I I agree with Sam though that I think there should be some rejection because it does add realism and also it it adds consequences to your actions which not all games have um because it you know you should have some consequences to your actions. That's what I like about the morality system and they changed it a little bit like I I mean, I know we're talking about Mass Effect, but Bioware made that and Dragon Age. And I think they were a little bit more daring with how they approached that morality system and that consequences to your actions bit with Dragon Age games versus Mass Effect games. There's not as many chances for rejection in Mass Effect. And it does make it feel like there's some stakes. But I also see why people maybe wouldn't want Rejection, that's a critique I've seen for Baldur's Gate, for instance, because especially for Astarian, who rejects pretty much everyone who asks him to romance him, like, I don't want that. I want to be able to have sex with whoever. And I guess there's a place for that, you know, but I, I personally like it when it feels like the characters have their own agency because that's how it makes it feel real. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that there's something... Um... Uh, actually playing through the logical ramifications of your decisions and ways that feel real is very important. I do know, however, that from a game developer standpoint, for the last 15 years or so, different studios have been streamlining their RPGs. They've been cutting off like the rough edges. This is something Bethesda has very is very well known for. If you watch the trajectory from like Morrowind to Oblivion to Fallout 3 to Skyrim, everything gets simplified and and kind of uh, almost in a lot of people's opinions overly simplified and then fallout 4 and then starfield they they trim off these edges that they know don't necessarily make the game as palatable or fun for a broad audience. And of course, there are going to be people out there who are like, oh, well, okay, why can't I just romance who I want to romance? Because I just want to I just want to get the because they treat it like a video game. This is this is a goal. This is an achievement. I want to get the achievement. What buttons do I have to press in what order to get that achievement? Right. But that goes directly against and is counter to that feeling of actually role playing character in a world that feels real and how those two things balance is is tricky so that's that's why i bring up the question of like is that is that good or is a little bit of it good at what point does it go too far you know let me let me present this as kind of a mass effect uh setting where i believe that there needed to be more consequences because Okay, for example, if you decide that you want to sabotage the genophage cure, why on earth should some of the more heroic uh, companions that you're with, why should they want, why should they agree to romance you just because you kept picking the Paragon dialogue options with them? Or, or even continue working with you if it's a, an egregious enough thing that they stand directly against. Like the realistic thing would be some people might go, hey man, I know we're we're in this for like good reasons, but those I can't get with these decisions. I need to leave. You know, like it could go that far. Right. If I'm if or or better yet, Mass Effect one, Ashley, if you let the Rachni Queen go, there should be a very real chance that she is not going to proceed any further in a romance with you because she's already expressed her extreme distrust of aliens, right? And this is before you've been able to spend a lot of time with her and mold and, and, and kind of steer her toward a less xenophobic route. So realistically, you know, your decisions outside of the romance arc 
I think should have impacted the romance arcs more in Mass Effect. Do you two agree Definitely. with that? And I, Jen, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they started that a little bit. Uh, the first one that came to mind was if you don't go with Tally the way that she wants you to when it comes to her father's trial, she won't romance you. If you don't allow Jack the room to grow on her own and you take her up on an offer for a one night stand, she will no longer romance you. There are there are there's small little nuggets of where if you don't follow down uh if you choose i guess it is kind of choosing the wrong options for them will make them reject you but at least there's there's a little bit of that yeah do you think that's enough is is it just the right amount so far or, or would you like more of that in like future releases it's a tough question i, I definitely think consequences needs to be a thing uh decisions outside of specific like decisions that I make regarding Miranda should affect Jack, you know, in cases like that. Um, and they can, but it's, it, there needs to be a little bit more of it to make it a fully in-depth romance that has consequences in more than just the relationship. Perhaps we should put this in context of when each game came out though, right? Because it was 2007 when Mass Effect 1 came out and at that time, Mass Effect was still considered kind of a trailblazer and including romance in video games, right? So I I wanted to pivot and kind of ask, how did romanticism change in each of the games? One to two, two to three, three to Andromeda. For me... Honestly, from a gameplay standpoint, I think Andromeda did it best. I loved the fact that I could build friendships and relationships um, and have very high positive views. But the person that I wanted to romance, there were very specific and clear marked dialogues with a little heart that said, I, this is me flirting with you. Um, and sometimes it it was a little too ambiguous in the OG trilogy of whether or not that was a flirt dialogue or whether that was a, I'm just really here for you because you need a friend in this moment. So I think I liked the way that Andromeda did it. Wait, wait, wait. Um, but that same thing is very realistic in real life. Sometimes somebody says, Hey, you know, I know you're going through some tough times. I'm here for you. If you, if, if you need me. And that could mean, Hey, I'm your friend. Let me know if you need help. But that could also mean, Hey, I'd really like to get closer to you. You know, like sometimes that stuff is ambiguous in real life. I'm not saying that it necessarily should or shouldn't have been uh, shown with little icons or whatever, but it, that does lend a certain amount of reality to it if it is vague. Is that, but is that not fun from a gameplay standpoint? From a gameplay standpoint, since I'm not the one choosing my tone and the way that the words are delivered, it's very, I think in a video game, it's, I would prefer it to be that way where it's a lot more clear because there is a huge difference between, you know, Sam, I love you or Sam, I love you. Those are very different tones. And the way that I say those things is going to come across very differently, but you know, just so having it from a gameplay where you can pick and choose, I'm saying this with a flirty tone or I'm saying this with a friendly tone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because you can't read tone in text very easily. It 
there are things you can do to try to make it more obvious, but it, it is Italics. by nature. Yeah. It, it, ambiguous. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great point because that's why we use emojis on Internet chats and things like that is in order to say like, oh, this is a friendly face. I'm just I'm saying something kind of fun or, oh, this is the you know, that my tears are popping out of my eyes because this is a little bit ridiculous and ironic or whatever. Right. Like we're trying to add tone into our text using visuals. And that's exactly what they're doing there. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's still a game like you. it's not real when I guess when we both say we want it to feel more real it's in terms of like the characterization of the npcs not necessarily the player character and how they're interacting because you only have your sense of sight with a video game and you know some auditory stuff but for the most part the way you're interacting with the world is what you're looking at and that's like there's this debate i saw on twitter about the new resident evil 4 with all the yellow crepes and things like, oh, it's too obvious that those are the interactive, like the crates that you can interact with. Why would they paint them yellow? And it's like, there's this with game developers, this fine line between how do we make it intuitive and feel not like a game, but also make it so players can navigate the world and understand where they can and can't go, what they can and can't say. And I think, I mean, it is ambiguous without the so-called emojis of is this a flirt dialogue or not? I I really feel like um, I Andromeda got it best with that. But for what we were talking about before, they also did remove the morality system completely. So your romances and your friendships and everything is not impacted by your choices morally at all. So they kind of backpedaled. That's why for me, Bioware's top romance system is a mix between Dragon Age 2 and Dragon Age Inquisition. I loved the friend rival bit. And I also love that your real world decisions as Inquisitor in fact impact your approval levels, which impact who you can and can't romance and who is your ally or not. I think I wish that could have been more in Mass Effect, but also that came before. Like they are, they're still learning. So I feel like uh, for Mass Effect 1, there was, and I know I'm sure that there's a name for this trope, right? Uh, but in Mass Effect 1, you spend the entirety of the the game's length, basically developing the romance with whoever you're going to romance. And then it culminates at the end, and then that's it. So you get all of this time kind of courting each other and, and flirting with each other, but not actually any time being boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever you want to label it. Um, and the, the same thing kind of happens in Mass Effect 2, and then the same kind of format happens in Mass Effect 3, unless it's someone you romanced in 2 or 1, right? Have you run into many games where this is not the case, where you actually do get a decent amount of time being someone's partner and developing the relationship after the, you know, the ultimate kiss moment, you know what I mean? I mean, a little bit in Andromeda. Um, because you can have your first casual hookup with somebody right in the beginning, and then you can then pursue a romance of like, wow, I'd, I'd actually like to date you after this. And then you have a secondary culmination scene at the end of the game. Um, Baldur's Gate three is doing that right now where you can date somebody a couple of times, um, and still be in a relationship after your act three scene. Um, other video games that do that. V, can you think of any right now? 
Not really in an RPG. I was going to say with Andromeda, it depends on who you're romancing. Some people are available to you sooner than others. It really depends on the person. And also some people don't actually get a culmination scene other than like you see them like for Vetra, for instance, you kiss her. But once again, we can't show Tyrion's having sex with humans. So she you get to climb a cliff with her and look at the sunset or sunrise. I can't remember which one it is. It's so metaphorical. Climb the mountain. Look at the sunrise. (laughs) Yeah. And you get a cute kiss. Yeah. That's that's kind of what I'm saying. Like. After that, how much does that romance actually develop? How much is, does the Not, relationship develop, or is it just like throwaway ambient lines here and well, there? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just that, and that's part of that's that's something that Jen and I always say is we wish there would be even an established relationship, like something that you come into the game and maybe it's already existed. And well, th- see, that's hard though with an RPG though. Like the, the first game that came to mind about, oh, you see the relationship change over the course of the games is Uncharted, but that's not an RPG. That's a predetermined relationship um, between Nate and his wife, Elena, or future wife and then kind of ex-wife and then they kind of get back together. But anyway, like even in Mass Effect, like if you romance Garrus in Mass Effect 2 and then romance him again in Mass Effect 3, or Caden, who you could romance back in Mass Effect 1, it doesn't necessarily feel like you've had all that time with them because Caden's gone for all of Mass Effect 2. And Garrus, even if you've, it's only been what, like six months between 2 and 3. And Uh when you, you first find him again and you guys don't act like you're together. It's very, awkward and then later you find him obviously by the guns doing his calibrations and he's like um so we are are we still like a thing so it's so weird you're like was it just a black hole the last six months i mean i guess you know shepherd was in prison but whatever you know like it doesn't seem like they had a long distance thing going so it still doesn't feel very stretched out over games the way that i i wish it could have been because there's always these breaks, no matter who you were with. And it did kind of feel like they were going that route with the Vermeer survivor on horizon, uh, because that expressed a, a certain level of continuity where, you know, you meet up, let's say you're like me and you romanced Ashley in Mass Effect 1, but then you meet up with her in Mass Effect 2 on horizon. And, and this is kind of leading into an, another point that I wanted to bring up, which is that, um, a lot of compelling rom- romantic relationships are often strained at times by circumstance or by each other or any number of things. Um, I think that Mass Effect showed this very well during the Horizon scene if you had romanced Caden or Ashley. With Ashley saying, you know, look, I'm no fan of aliens, but Cerberus is a terrorist organization and this is way over the line. And you finally run into a scenario where, you know what, like, you did overstep a line. They're not going to approve of everything you do. Uh, and Caden's scene is a little bit more harsh, but outside of the horizon scenes, you know, is there a lot of this where the romantic relationship in mass effect is, is strained? Mm. I think. Yeah. Mm, strained relationships. I don't know. Be This is a you question, babe. Well, I mean, it doesn't, it's, so Garrus is your ride or die no matter what. Like he doesn't care whether you're a renegade or paragon, right? And then Liara is just gone because she's a shadow broker now and she becomes aged, you know, she's matured into her violence um from that. 
it doesn't really feel like anyone else is objecting to you being forced to work with Cerberus because honestly that's what happened you know it's not like you had a choice being brought back to life by them but I do I do like the tension that they had in that horizon scene there was like a little bit added it wasn't too much more if you had romanced them versus if you were just their friend but you get a couple extra lines of dialogue and then those letters that they send you um which you can find on youtube being read by their voice actors which was great but um i i mean i like that i i think it's good that that to me isn't like a necessarily romance specific thing it does have a slightly bit added there for the romance but for me it's just the fact that your choices or not choices i guess with cerberus but like your companions reacting to how you're going through the world is always going to be a win for me and i especially like it when they call you out i think that's one of the reasons why with dragon age 2 we like the rival romances so much because you challenge your companion in their beliefs versus the friendship route is more of an enabler you're just kind of going along with whatever they're already doing and i like that your companions can do that to you that's not like it really affects the game though like you kind of have to work with cerberus for a little bit but ultimately it does feel like they have their own opinion on what's going on and it is a consequence it feels like a consequence even though that's just how it's supposed to work they're not supposed to be in mass effect 2 Sam, do you have any other questions on, on this uh, specific one? Because I, I see where the next uh, the next question is in the notes. And just yeah, you want to handle that one? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we've been uh, have some really interesting and uh, dynamic uh, thoughts on the way romance is done and things that could be improved or changed or whatever. Uh, but why don't before we get to the mid break, why don't we get to the sex scenes because that's part of romance and how would you rank them from top to bottom as sam has here in the notes <laughs> jen i feel like this is your uh this is your realm it is my realm and uh so there are 25 individual sex scenes not counting variations uh between male and female characters so there's no way that i'm going to list out all 25. <laughs> sure okay so do you have some of that definitely go at the top and some that definitely go at the bottom because those, those are the most interesting ones yeah give us your tops and bottoms jen <laughs> thanks sam um uh hot take my least favorite physical scenes are Garrus's for his romance culmination scenes. I am a ride or die for Garrus. I absolutely love him, but uh, they don't give us anything. Uh, a, a forehead head bump is not enough for me to feel happy. Um, <laughs> you say that's, that's just guess. not pushing the buttons in the right places, I guess, right? Like... No, mm. it's the same act that my cat does in the morning to get me out of bed to feed her is through head bumps. And I'm Garris like, kind of looks like a cat. <laughs> he does look like a kitty, a burrito kitties. Yeah. But, um, spiciest scene out of the OG trilogy, Jack's renegade option is poof, wow. Um, it's it's definitely one that uh, I think you should experience and then go reload the save and then not, you know, re-traumatize <laughs> her. Um, but it's a good, fun scene to watch. Um, 
middle of the line, I'd say uh, I was pretty happy with Liara in Mass Effect 1. That was a good one. Um, it showed biotics in the bedroom, which I was not expecting at all. Um, and you get side boob. And side boob's always fun. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. Any others come to mind? Which Jeez, one's the most Miranda. Mad? The most the most mad? The most average. Not like the most disappointing, not the not the best. But just kind of like, well, that happened. Cool. Yeah. Perhaps one you can barely remember. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, I can remember them all, but the right in the middle, it for effect, it either goes, we are going full on, or we're only going to give you a hint of what the next scene looks like. So for the romances that are like hints only, Steve Cortez, Tally, Garris, Sane, Allers, uh, Kelly Chambers, uh, there's uh, Samantha Trainer. Um, so those ones are all a little bit on the lower end because there's not enough in the scene for me. If I'm going to be watching a culmination scene, let me see things culminate <laughs> udina oh wait bravada how do you feel about uh these scenes which one's the top which one's the bottom which one's eh. we're forgetting about andromeda um which is what i was thinking of but for me i i don't mind the head bump so much because it's super cute with garris but my I think there's plenty of good ones. None of the people I romanced, unfortunately, <laughs> were the good ones. But I've seen lots of scenes in the course of our work on the podcast. And the one that I think people like, but I think is really stupid, mainly because I don't like her, is PB. And when you have sex with her in the escape pod with the gravity off, first of all, how does that work? Like, you need gravity. Hasn't NASA said that you... Yeah, I was going to say, hasn't that said that it couldn't work? Yeah, you need gravity to, to do movements like that. Um, some kind of opposite force and all that. Yeah, anyway, or some, some sort of, also, yeah, some way to constrain one person and the other person can then move freely or yeah, something. Yeah I, yeah, I don't like her either. She's so that also adds to that. But um, also one that I think a lot of people like, and I, I can objectively say that it is very beautiful, but it made me feel awkward. Like I shouldn't be watching. It was Jaws romance. Cause even though I, I love the romance side of things, it was, it was so, so much, it was so much romance. Like, I don't know who's, I, I wouldn't be able to contain the nervous giggling. If that were me, like being naked with him, pulling you in the water. And he's like, wait, come meet all my family. It was just love bombing. So while I can say, yes, Jaws a good romance. I also just didn't enjoy that. Cause it was, it was like voyeurism to me, you know, it was, it was making love. It was not sex, but Cora's on the other hand, great romance scene, very hot. Also love Cora. So good ones all around. Interesting. Interesting. Well, we've got to take a quick break to go thank our patrons and we've got sort of a planet card today. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this lorecast is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, here we are. This is the middle of the show. This is where we get to welcome our newest patron, Tynal. Welcome to the Patreon. Thank you for signing up. And we get to shout out our shepherd tier patrons, Edboy, Kiracy, and Lieutenant Tosino. Oh, and William also. Can't forget William. Thank you to those of you who have supported the show on patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. And uh, if you want to check everything out over there, there's lots of cool stuff to see ad-free episodes you get stickers or t-shirts or join us on future patron chats all of that stuff plus we have to thank those of you who have taken the time to give us a five-star review and leave us some words and we we have a new one here from great britain from mad puppy who writes information is my weapon shepherd it's good and these guys provide it I have played Mass Effect since it came out. I recently completed another playthrough of all four games and listened to this podcast alongside the games Tom and Sam added so much background and depth to the game. Humorous, insightful, and full of interesting information. Give it a listen. I didn't do it in order. I picked the characters and themes I liked, but soon found I was listening to the more obscure lore, too. Mad Puppy, thank you so much for taking the time to leave that review. And to everyone else who helps out with the show, rating it on Spotify, sharing it with your friends, all of that stuff. We really do appreciate that. And uh, Sam, it says here you have a uh, planet card, but we'll probably not 
do it today? Do you want to just do it? I was I was planning to skip it for the sake of brevity, but basically uh, Genesis it's had suggested one. that that we cover the uh, planet Venus since Venus was named after the goddess of love. Uh, for those of you who don't know about Venus, it's in our own solar system and uh, it will crush you if you land on it. And that's pretty much what it's I have to say about Venus. Crushing uh, and can't breathe. <laughs> Yep. yep, Venus is a dominatrix of a planet. So, so there you go. Uh, but yeah. uh, thank you for everybody for the support and everything else that you've done in order to keep this show going. We really do appreciate it. All right, let's move on. We've got some more questions. Here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. So here, let's let's continue the, the talk about the sexual stuff because uh, but kind of move it in a slightly different direction because in Mass Effect, the characters have a definitive sexual orientation. But in other games, it really doesn't seem to matter or there's more flexibility. Somebody isn't necessarily locked in. Uh, they can all be attracted to you as the main character, regardless of any preset seeming identity or anything like that. Is there a version of this that's better than the other? Like, what do you prefer? Are there pros and cons to each of these? What do you think? There are total pros and cons to defined sexualities or what we call player sexual. You're attracted to the player. Um, so player sexual versus defined sexualities. For me and for a lot of people that uh, V and I have talked to, define sexualities for the win on almost every ground. Um, define sexualities bring a different depth to a character. They bring replayability to your video game, for one, because it's like, oh, okay, I played as my first run was a femship, so I was locked out of a few romance options that I could have been interested in because they're available for a male ship only. Okay, so that means now I'm going to do a, ma a male ship run, so that way I have those options available to me. It also allows for you the the per the player's sexual identity to be seen because you can meet a lesbian character you can meet a bisexual a pansexual a gay character a straight character and be like i see a little bit of myself in you because you are a representation of how i am it's also a way for some people to have those types of experiences for the first time. Testing out and playing with gender identity, sexual identity, orientations in video games is a safe way for people to explore those. If you get to a point where you no longer like it, you don't load up that save or you go back and you make a different decision. It's really hard to hit the undo button in real life. So being able to do it in a video game is great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, it seems that you are pro fixed orientation, uh, and that's mm -hmm. where mass effect is. Do you, would you change that in any way or even in slight ways, or do you like it exactly the way it is? <sighs> I <laughs> I wouldn't change the defined sexualities in Mass Effect other than the fact that they deleted some of them in the creation of the game, and I would restore those. Um, originally, Jack was supposed to be pansexual. Jacob Taylor was supposed to be a bi man. Um, so I would love to see those 
that were originally planned being in the game. Um, but that's also just keeping within the line of defined sexuality types. Um, and then for my own personal reasons, I wish all aliens were bisexual because I don't think that they would care what type of sex organs you had. Especially yeah. Why, point. Yeah, yeah. why would aliens care about um, uh, human genders? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I unless they, they aligned very, all. very closely, like like coincidentally, they we we were very similar biologically. Um, yeah, but if there if there's a huge biological difference, then at that point, what's it even really matter? Well, right. Jen touched on it with how Jack was supposed to be pansexual in Mass Effect Two, and we already know, like back when Legendary Edition came out, they had an interview with one of the. Bioware writers about why that was changed so late in development. And it's because of Fox News specifically getting really freaked out over Liara's sex scene in Mass Effect 1, thinking, oh no, children are going to see blue alien sex. Right. Because, because only to, children play video games. Oh, yes. Because and to the uninitiated. Only find that through Mass Effect. Right. Yeah. To the uninitiated, it looks like you know, oh no, female exploitation. But it's like, she's not even a lesbian. She's a sorry. They have no gender. They can have sex with whoever and whatever. That's just their biology. So to me, until we have literally not new, like a newsworthy event for a sex scene in a video game, I know this was 2007, 2008 when that came out, but it's like until we are at a point in our society where it's not a big deal to have all these sexualities be literally represented in a video game, <laughs> Why shouldn't we have them? Because some people, especially back then, found out their own sexuality because they were able to romance someone in Mass Effect or in Dragon Age, you know, and they're represented as characters. Like Jen said, someone could see a lesbian or someone. If everyone's just player sexual, um, it doesn't really feel as earned. And I also like the thought of the characters themselves having the agency to choose not just the whims of the player of, oh, I just gave them enough gifts and talked to them enough times and now I can have sex with them. It doesn't feel as real as when they have their own sexual identities. And going alongside that, there should also be characters whose sexual identity is one in which they do not want to have sex, even if you want to. So I think a lot of people do like player sexual because they want to be the god of their universe when they play the game. You know, they want to be the center of attention and do whatever they want to do. And I, I'm sure that has a place, um, maybe in RPGs especially, because you're role-playing. But at the same time, I and I, everyone we've talked to pretty much prefers having the characters feel as real as possible, which includes a sexual identity. Yeah, when you take yeah, off when you take any of any the... Of, oh, I'm, I'm bouncing oh, I'm, through, I'm Sam's, through Sam's audio. audio. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, my there my board, uh, <laughs> I hit the button. My bad. <laughs> hit the button. When you take off the guardrails and things no longer match the way they would feel in reality, it makes the game feel automatically more video gamey. It feels fake, right? Like this idea that like everyone I wanna want romance is gonna be into me no matter what. It's so player centric. It's like, oh, well now you are the main character. Like you would make fun of somebody in real life, expecting the world to just bend to all of your whims. That doesn't feel, that feels like a video game. And that's part of why role-playing games can be so fun is because they put you in a realistic-ish 
situation where you get to live somebody else's life and see things through different eyes rather than just this egocentric everything happens the way I want it to kind of way. But when you actually right. unpack that a little bit, most games don't give you everything you want. You have to earn them. You have to get better at shooting the bad guys in a shooter. You have to get better at strategizing in a strategy game. In a role-playing game, maybe you have to get better at actually understanding other people and living in the world in a way that makes sense. I was just going to say, especially in the realm of Mass Effect, I think your reasoning makes a lot of sense, Tom, because Mass Effect is not really about Shepard. When you get into the nitty gritty about it, Mass Effect is about everyone besides Shepard, literally everyone else, all of your crew. That's where most of the content is focused on. Um, yeah, Shepard's kind of Shep your view into the world. Exactly. Shepard is your portal through which to view the Mass Effect universe. Um, and Ryder is also your portal, too. Although they tried to give Ryder, I think, a little bit more personality, given some different dialogue options you can pick. But um, the the thing is that I think for the next Mass Effect, when they're making it, if we're if we're saying, you know, should it be player sexual or defined sexuality? Um, for me, I would like to see it be defined sexuality because of the role play aspect, because like Genesis said, it will add replay value, but above all, because it, it adds a level of depth to characters. If you walk outside your door and you're looking to try and go court someone and, and, you know, find a, find a, a partner, not everyone is going to be you sexual. <laughs> That's right. That's not right. going to happen. In fact, most people won't be <laughs> like yes, the vast majority of people that you come across will not be unless you're um, like some sort of famous right. movie star or something. But uh, right. and, and, yeah. and I say that because I want to be immersed in Mass Effect. You know, if it was just if I just wanted to game the system, right, if I wanted to have every character possible romance want to be with my character, then then I would, of course, want that. But but I'm dealing with that right now in Baldur's Gate. And I love the writing for a lot of the romances in Baldur's Gate. But the fact that literally everyone is hitting on me <laughs> is a little bit off-putting. And it just kind of cheapens, I guess, my my immersion in it. And it cheapens my connection to the character. So for the sake of role-playing, I do want to find sexuality. Now, before anyone jumps down my throat, that doesn't mean that I don't want, you know, other sexualities represented in the game. I think there should be some sexualities like, you know, uh, Suvi, right? I could never romance Suvi. I wanted to romance Suvi, but she's lesbian. And I couldn't in Andromeda. And that's okay. That's good. That's It's a defined sex sexuality, right? So... I would just like to see that dynamic in the next Mass Effect. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Sam, where else do you want to go before we we uh, take the show too long and, and have to wrap things up? Any other questions you want to hit on? Yeah, you know, um, I, I did want to talk about hot takes when it comes to Mass Effect romances, because I know each of them have their their fair share of very, very perhaps controversial opinions and uh genesis i think you had told me about yours before uh, what's your mass effect romance hot take okay so and especially for people who have played this game and interacted with the community and 
just being on a Mass Effect 2 stream for more than five minutes it is always, oh, Jacob Taylor's the worst character out there. I can't believe he cheats on your shepherd. He's the worst romance ever. I'm here in defense of Jacob Taylor going, no, Jacob Taylor is not the worst romance option out there. In fact, the shepherd who romances him is the worst romance option i cannot stand this femship i think she is psychopathic and tom i i gave you a clip of how dark and evil this shepherd sounds yeah here listen to set this yeah go ahead jen to set the scene uh this is at mass effect three you guys had your romance in two you're seeing jacob for the first time um in mass effect three he has told you that he has moved on and is with somebody else right now he is currently injured and in a hospital type setting and she looks around and realizes you're all alone if one of us dies here today, I want to know that we said all there was to say. Come on, Shepard. Did you want me to wait forever? It's not what I wanted you to do. It's what I want you to do. Remember? Shepard. It's just you and me here. No one can see us. I love you, Shepard. Loved you. Damn it. Come on, Jacob. Ah, uh, I can't. No. Because you're happy. You found the meaning of life? Yeah, I'm happy. And it's out there for you too, when you want it. That's hard to hear. You're a bastard. Okay, probably deserve that. I'm sorry. There's almost like a viciousness in her delivery. What makes it worse is physically how this looks. He's sitting on a table. And when she goes into that deeper voice, like we're alone, she gets on her knees in front of him. Yeah. So. Uh, so you're saying Man, it reminds me of one of my exes, but go on. <laughs> so, but so, so you're saying that people who are all like down with Jacob, I've just been ignoring this scene, basically. Because I don't think any of them actually romanced him and went through this. They just see the Internet means of Jacob cheaps on you and assume that therefore he must be horrible. But no, I, I that's the proof. This is what the romance is like. Yeah. Shepard's the evil one, not Jacob. Yeah. Isn't there a scene in which Shepard can punch Jacob? Yep. And it's heartbreaking on a couple of different levels because that same line of I probably deserved that is what he says after you hit him. Yeah. Okay. I probably deserved that. The only people who expect violence in like, oh, I hurt your feelings and therefore I expect violence to happen against me are people who have who's that's happened to in the past. You know, he's been hit before and that line proves it. Yeah. Oh, that's it's dark. It's dark. But yeah, abuse. And that's unfortunately people who come from abusive families or relationships then seek more subconsciously. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that I mean, that is a that is a good take. I mean, it's a hot take, probably, but it's also a good take. I think it's a, a really good perspective on that. A lot, a lot of people miss. So, Vervada, what's your Mass Effect romance hot take? 
Um, I kind of just share that with Jen about Jacob because I, I had never romanced him and I didn't know those lines until we did his episode um, for our podcast. And it was really shocking. I guess if you want realism in your romances, like it's not always pretty or good. It's just also shocking to see how you, the character could be the bad romance the bad partner especially um, in, in like really canned, in canned dialogue like it's one thing if you get to make that choice like if you want to say the really kind of not great thing to your potential partner and you choose each line of dialogue that's one thing you're you know you're role-playing as kind of a jerk or whatever and sure paragon renegade role play a jerk do, do you know do what do what you want it's a video game but it's another thing for it to be like actual canned scene. Like you didn't choose those specific words, but now all of a sudden your character is delivering that. Does that make you feel different? Yeah, it, I, I just think it's not, it's not a good romance. Obviously he shouldn't cheat, but you don't deserve that. It just feels so like Shepard's a predator basically in that moment. And it's very gross. I don't, I don't like it at all. Um, I don't really think it should be a hot take. If you see the whole thing, you know, it should be like, oh, yeah, this actually you shouldn't romance Jacob. Just let him go. Be happy with uh, what was her name? I can't even remember the doctor that he has a baby with. Bryn. 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 Yeah, there you go. Just let him just let him go be with her. There's plenty of more aliens in the universe, the galaxy, really. Interesting points. Um, this has been a lot of fun talking with both of you. Sam? I've been trying to think of I have a Mass Effect romance hot take. And, and at this point, I want to say that my Mass Effect romance hot take is just romancing Ashley because, man, do people jump down my throat about that one. Um, there's a lot of jokes to be made there. I won't make any of them. But the <laughs> thing is... People jump down my throat about those on social media, but you know what, Tom? Of all of the individual character episodes we've ever done, you know who has the most views on YouTube? Who? It's Ashley. Ashley, yeah, it's yeah. It's the Ashley yeah. one where we talked about her romance. Yeah. So some of y'all motherfuckers are pretending. Her episode <laughs> for us is one of our top ones, too, where you came on to talk about her and defend her. People think, really want to hear the hot takes, I guess. Yeah, well, I, think, uh, I mean, that's, that's what drives clicks on YouTube is saying something controversial. If you put a very controversial line in a thumbnail or a title, you're going to get more clicks. So. Fair, fair. Maybe that's it. Maybe maybe it's the hate clicks as well as the love clicks. But let's talk about let's finish the episode on love. Um, each of your favorite romances in Mass Effect before we wrap up. I can't pick. I have my top three. Garrus, Caden, Jack. I can't. I can't live without them. Uh, yeah, okay. You can't pick one. If you were like a gun to your head or desert island, like you, your shepherd gets stranded on a planet. You can only have one with you. There's no like absolutely had to pick one. Is it my bro ship or my fat? Ship. Is it Mass Effect 2? Is it Mass Effect 3? No, which, Tom, I can't. Which one? Pick. Which one's your can who is your more canon ship? <laughs> this is a this is a this could be just a too difficult of a question. Maybe it's just not possible. That's fine. Fem ship. Okay, Fem Ship. And, and Fem Ship would pick having been through all three games. Caden and Garrus. <laughs> two of them. We've narrowed it down a little bit. 
Okay. Right. If you want me to say Garrus, I will say Garrus, but I like, I literally, I'm like, my brain is going, but what about Caden and what about Jack? And that's why I just need, I need a polycule. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean to break your heart or anything, but uh, it is, it's interesting that they, they have that much of an effect on you. And I'm sure lots of other people who play these games, right? That it is that hard to choose. That's pretty cool. They're all so different. And for so many different reasons is why I love them. Yeah. Vervada, do you have I do have a favorite. As much as I love Garrus, I think Thane is my favorite because he made such an impact on me. I mean, other than Solus, there's really no romance in a game that ends with you breaking up or a death in in Thane's case. I just, I love the fact that part of your relationship is learning about his wife if who died is meeting his son it's just such a unique dynamic that you don't really see in games other than thane and it obviously is a star-crossed lovers bit because thane dies and that's super super sad but almost every shepherd dies at the end of mass effect 3 unless you do things very well and you get that final little breath maybe maybe shepherd's alive but it's very comforting to me to think that my femship gave up her life to save the galaxy and met up with Thane across the sea. It's a beautiful image. So I love Thane's romance. And it's true to a lot of romance stories or movies with these like tragic endings, right? Like Starcross lovers, but oh, I mean, Titanic, you know, yeah, only one we, of them We love survives. us a Starcross lover. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting that you point that out that like we don't get more than just that. Like there are many characters, but that's the only one that plays out in that way. Yeah. All right, Sam, any other questions? You know, I just thought of what my Mass Effect hot take for romances is. Tally's overrated. That's my Mass Effect hot take for romances. Tally's overrated, and the amount of people that I've heard talk about her like she's a child or a dog is disturbing. You can reach Sam at <laughs> on Twitter at N7Legend <laughs> if you'd like to send him any comments about this hot take it's disturbing tally best girl she's an adult <laughs> and and <laughs> maybe you should act like it i don't know that's that's my romance hot take for mass effect <laughs> nice nice all right well we need to wrap this up thank you so much jen and Pravada. thank you for being here uh it's always interesting to get your takes on things clearly you are the experts on this field you've been doing your show for a long time you've experienced so many of these different video game romances and you do have a lot of really interesting insights so thank you for being here uh let's start with jen jen is there anything else you want to share before we head out yeah, the Two Girls, One Ship podcast has been going strong for about two and a half years. We have covered all three Mass Effect games. Each character has their own specific episode based on what game we're talking about. So go give them a listen. I'm also on the Cyberpunk Lorecast where we talk everything cyberpunk from the original TTRPG all the way up to the newest Phantom Liberty expansion. Awesome. Yeah, go check that stuff out. If you're looking for links, you can just search on whatever podcast you're listening to this on or go to robotsradio.net. You'll find links on there as well. Uh, Vervada, it's also been super fun catching up with you. It's been a little while, but I'm glad that we got to hang out. Um, anything else you want to share? Nope. Just that currently on our show, we're talking about Baldur's Gate 3 characters. So if you like them, be sure to tune in because we're talking about them now yeah yeah i mean lots of people playing Baldur's gate so and mm -hmm. lots of lots of steamy romance stuff in that game for sure for sure for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right sam anything you want to share 
No, that's pretty much it. You know, I'm continuing to stream my um, personal canon playthrough in Mass Effect 2. Uh, that's every Saturday uh, after the month of February this year, in the year of our Lord 2024. I will be streaming more per week. I'm going to try and work in a consistent second stream of the week with some Baldur's Gate um, doing like a Twitch viewer's choice thing where I let them decide all of the dialogue choices and whatnot. Uh, But yeah, you can find me on Twitch and Twitter at in seven, the legend. Awesome. Yeah. Go check out everybody's stuff. There's so many things to consume, but if any of those things sound appealing to you, go check it out. You won't regret it. And also you can find my shows, the other shows that I do, and everyone else's shows on the network at robotsradio.net. Thanks for being here, everyone. Chat, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Stay safe out there and, uh, I mean, romance carefully, I guess? I don't know what the tagline for this one is, but uh, have a wonderful Valentine's Day. We'll see you later. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.